But um, yeah, I was out there and, you know, I was just thinking about your article and I told um, my frat brother that was recording it, um, you know, he was the one recording. It. I'm like, you know, this is exactly what she was talking about, because I'm looking around. I don't see no black people. You know, I saw like maybe two out the whole three hours we was on campus, you know. So, and I would say like, because that's another like idea, like I'm hoping somebody can explore and like my issue. It's the fact that like it's more it's more noticeable here than in Texas because in Texas, like Mexican and other Latino people take this place, but at U Chicago and a lot of parts of Chicago, you never notice, you never really notice that all the service workers are black. And like for, yes, yes. for, someone, for someone like me coming and like already having all this like imposter syndrome and doubts, like I'm at like literally one of the top 10 universities in the world. I'm right here do I, do I really deserve to be here? And seeing somebody that's black and that like, I'm not saying like, I'm, I like, I, I always have trouble articulating like difficult things like this. Like, I'm not saying that like, it's a disgrace to be in that job. Cause that's not the point at all. And I'm Absolutely. not trying anyone for that job, um, for having that job, but like to go to these places and only see black people in like service workers positions, it makes me feel bad because I'm just like, well, if I fail, like if I fail in becoming a lawyer or if I fail becoming a journalist or if I fail becoming um, like somebody who's going to make movies or TV shows, if I fail, I'm going to end up in this and it's going to be like a cycle again that my parents and I tried so so hard to break and like that is just like it's just always heartbreaking because like they tell they tell you that they want to see more faces and like whatever space but like these people are always there and it's like an, always a constant reminder of something that you cannot fail and people say like oh don't stress out don't do this don't do that but like even though i'm trying my best not to stress out like it's so in your face all the time from harold washington to harold's chicken and everything in between and beyond. Sociology is the exploration of Chicago culture, history, legends, stories, and fiction through a myriad of discussions with Chicagoans themselves. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Sociology. Now, those were the words of Solana Adidokin. She's currently a junior at the University of Chicago and a staff writer for the university's newspaper, the Chicago Maroon. The University of Chicago is one of the most prestigious universities in the entire world. It was founded and bankrolled in 1890 by John D. Rockefeller in the High Park neighborhood here on the south side of Chicago. Now, just like the city that is based in Chicago, the university has a long history of racism. Just like in this book by Richard Rothstein, The Color of Law, on page 105, it says the University of Chicago organized and guided property owners associations that were devoted to preventing black families from moving nearby. The university not only subsidized the associations, but from 1933 to 1947 spent $100,000 on legal services to defend covenants and evict African-Americans who had arrived in its neighborhood. When criticized for these activities, University of Chicago President Robert Maynard Hutchins wrote in 1937 that the university must endeavor to stabilize its neighborhood as an area in which its students and faculty will be content to live, and that therefore the university had the right to invoke and defend restrictive covenants in its surrounding areas. Now that was in the 1930s and the 1940s, but in 2022, High Park, which is where the university is based in, as well as parts of neighboring Woodlawn, still has a large amount of black Americans 
in it to this day. Solana Adidokin is going to tell us about her experiences as a student at the University of Chicago and how she experienced racism and the things that she is doing along with other black students at the university to alleviate the burden, not only for themselves, but for future students. Let's get right into it. We could just get right into it. I mean, you know, I, I read your background, you know, you're a Chicagoan now because you yeah. attend the university, but you're from Texas, correct? Yeah, I'm from North Texas, so I actually live an hour away from Dallas. I live in the DFW area, so that stands for like Dallas-Fort Worth area, so I live in Fort Worth, so it's like the less big metropolitan two of the major cities, and I live kind of like outside the border of it, so I live like where the country starts and where like the city and like Metroplex kind of ends. Interesting. So yeah, you're a Texan, and what, how did you shy get on your radar? What brought you here? Well, it was kind of, it's kind of a funny story, actually. I, so when I was researching schools for like college, I knew for sure I wanted to leave Texas and leave the South because even though like there are some things I absolutely love about the South, like I love the food, I love the culture, like even though Chicago has great food, like I think nothing compares to Southern food, especially Black Southern food. Mm -hmm. So I knew I wanted to be somewhere different because um I've just been in Texas all my life and like um I've only really known Texas to like a really good degree like um I do know Nigeria to another good degree because my dad's from there and me and my brother and sisters are um Nigerian citizens as well so I didn't know any place as well as just Texas and Nigeria so I was just like well I know I want to go to a new place but I also don't want to go somewhere that's like in the country, like I've, I kind of live in the country so that I know that's not going to be for me. And as a black woman, obviously not a place that would be very, right. very good for me. Right. And I kind of like that sounds great like it can be somewhere where like there's still like a lot of black culture and like an explosion of black culture like obviously on the south side and all over the city but then I also still have like um a good amount of people that were like coming from Africa that um I could connect with as well so even though like I knew like I wanted to go to Chicago I didn't really find out about you Chicago until like maybe my sophomore junior year of high school and even then I was just like well that's like too hard of a school to get into I'm just like somebody from like the middle of nowhere in Texas so like why would they like let me in much less why would they like let a black woman in except for like diversity points but I still like you know I saw it and I really was into it and I was just like well I'll give it a shot it's like in a place that I like like the academics seem great like they have so many good opportunities like I think it would be amazing to get in there but I don't think I'd get in and then when I applied I actually opened the acceptance letter and um, I didn't see like congratulations. So I like clicked off of it and Mm. I was like, well, well, like, you know, it's just like, you know, I tried and it didn't work. And then I looked back and I was just like, oh, wait, it says accept waitlist offer. And I was just like, waitlist offer. That's Mm. crazy. And then I looked back at it and then it said I got on the waitlist. And I was just like, oh, that's really funny. Um, I didn't think that this was going to happen. So I accepted my waitlist offer. And after that, I was almost going to um, enroll into another school. It was either going to be Barnard or Wellesley. So um, those are two like um, 
liberal arts schools for women. So I was just like, well, you know, it's okay. U Chicago, I tried, at least I got in. And then I got an email a few weeks later telling me that I was going to get off the wait list. And that's kind of the rest. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, I um, know the feeling like if it doesn't say congratulations right then and there, it's like, okay, yeah, it's a wrap. Let's throw this in the garbage, you know. Um, yeah. but I'm glad that you doubled back, you know, to that email and you didn't just keep it moving. Um, so so you're a liberal arts major, correct? Um, well, um, I am in like a liberal arts college. Everything at UChicago for undergrads is just under like one liberal arts college. Okay. So I'm a public policy visual arts major and I'm trying to get a German minor. So that's like specifically what I'm doing. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So, all right. So yeah. So that's how you got to Chicago. That's how you got to University of Chicago. And what year was this? What was your freshman year? Um, My freshman year was 2020. So that's very much self-explanatory. It, even though it was like a very hard rocky start because like I'm I'm also like the senior year class of 2020 so it was already hard enough when COVID hit like yeah. um thankfully when it did hit I was my school was on spring break so like I wasn't really like affected initially I just had an extended spring break but to kind of have like your high school in kind of like messed up and then like coming to a new school and a new state and a new region of the country and not knowing anything that was like really stressful but I think like just even though I couldn't like access Chicago at the time um I still just had like a really great first year and like that like being able to meet my friends through like um just like my hall because like we couldn't really leave our dorms too much like being able to make my friends through my dorm hall I remember that was like one of my best memories so it was a very rocky start but like I'm glad like I made the friends that I did to help me like make it through that pretty tough time and when you uh was in high school in Dallas Fort Worth what was the demographic of your high school was it mostly black mostly black okay oh oh no sorry sorry um I was sorry I was just like listening to your question but mm -hmm. no my high school was actually like mostly white mostly so, white okay. um I can kind of talk a little bit about my high school but like um so I went to the same like school for 13 years my school was actually like a K through 12 private okay. school so my parents like um my mom and dad they're both coming from very like low income families my dad especially um growing up in Nigeria he had like 16 brothers and sisters so there was definitely not enough to go around and my mom was raised by a single parent in um like a like a not urban side of Louisiana mm -hmm. so both of them like kind of had like rough starts and like rough starts also just like being the first generation for both of them to be in college so like education has always been like an emphasis on my family like I literally cannot emphasize this enough like if there's one thing like um like my parents are about is just education so like they always wanted me to go to like the best school and like for for the right reason too because they wanted to make sure like me and my brother and my sister were always like on the right path always like focusing on an education making sure that was our mindset first but I feel like in the process of doing that they kind of neglected the fact that like we had to deal with the fact of going to like a school where like absolutely no one looked like us. So my school, um, um, my school was actually like, um, if you know about white flight schools, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So my school is actually a white flight is well, is a white flight school or used to be a white flight school. I'm not sure what the correct terminology is, but, um, 
it comes from being a white flight school. And um, if for, I guess I can explain for anyone who doesn't know, it basically just means that like, um, it was a school that was made in response to integration. So even though they technically were supposed to let black students in because it was a private school and could control who could come in and who not, um, who didn't come in, um, they only chose like white kids. So obviously that worked out well for them because I was there, but um, it was like, it's kind of, even though the school still to this day, from my understanding, doesn't acknowledge it, it still was something that was kind of like a well-known secret. And Mm -hmm. it was something that was like always very damaging to me. Like I remember one time in my journalism class um, in high school, which actually got me into journalism. I remember there was this one time where we had to look through newspapers, um, newspaper clippings and um, other like um, former like school um, publications and look through and like specifically highlight things that were related to like very like stuff that was reminiscent of the KKK. So like they had like some kind of like burnings on the football field of like Mm -hmm. the school and like an effigy. So it was very KKK like Mm -hmm. they had this event called senior slave day where the seniors would dress up in blackface and things like that and like auction themselves off as slaves for people to like buy and raise money for the senior class to do something and knowing that all of that was like in the past and the school never acknowledged it coupled with the fact that like me and my brother and my younger sister now she's still enrolled in that school um like the fact that we had to deal with a bunch of people that were that also didn't grow up with like black people or any people of color in their houses probably besides the people who maybe like like clean their spaces like it was just like a very ignorant place to grow up in and it was honestly like very hard for me and like even still today me and my brother still like talk about all the stuff that they did to me I can't tell you like countless times I can sit here honestly for like an hour and tell you like all the stuff that's happened to like every single member in my family something racist that's happened while we were in that school and like we're my youngest sister is still there and she's honestly not having the easiest time there so it was just like it's just like I don't know how to say it it was just I guess to sum it up it was just a very hard place to grow up in and even understand your blackness because at that point like to me, I wasn't like black. I was just, yeah, I was like black, but like it didn't make me different, even though there were some ways that it really did when it came to like certain yeah. aspects of my life. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 tough, man. And I really hate that you had to experience those things, your siblings and um any other black student that attends the school. And the reason why I asked about your high school, obviously, because we talk about University of Chicago, you know, we're getting to the meat of this episode, um, you know, Chicago is and still is the most segregated big city in America, right? Um, Martin Luther King said it, you know, so many people have said it. Um, It's a fact. I've lived here my whole life. I know it's a fact. So, you know, transitioning from that to the University of Chicago, was it that much of a culture shock? So, like, let's just get into it. Like, you know, you were a minority in high school, and now you're the minority at your institution of higher learning. Was it that much of a culture shock? Was it like, okay, here we go again, you know? Um, so, like, explain your mindset, you know, with this transition. Yeah, for me, I would say, like, for some people, I talk about this with my friends sometimes, because I have some close friends that um, come from schools that were, like, majority, like, maybe half, there were, like, two majorities. It was either, like, a white group 
and then like uh, some second group, whether that was like black people, Latino, but for me, that wasn't the case. So coming here when I, when I initially came here and I was just like, you know, Chicago's like, um, there's so many like different cultures of people here, you know, it's gotta be like accepting. It's gotta be like inclusive for a bunch of people. Cause I mean, like, how can you do that with a bunch of like people of color and like people from so many different cultures here. So I really thought that this place was going to be great for me because like, I wouldn't have to deal with like at least I wouldn't have to deal with like the kind of racism I dealt with home at home where it was like very overt like I was saying with like the senior slave day thing like I was so excited I was just like you know like I'm not gonna have to worry as much anymore like people will be accepting like people will understand what I'm going through like I'm not gonna have to explain stuff and then I guess it it kind of hit me more my second year because like first year kind of like I told you it was yeah. wasn't really as like yeah. It wasn't a normal school year, obviously. And like second year, we kind of got back into the swing of things, except with masks. But I kind of started to realize that it's a different kind of racism here. And that's what kind of like still to this day kind of makes me sad. I'm going to be honest, like I, I have no other way to put it. Like maybe maybe like maybe kind of like just disappointed. I'm, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out a better word, but like something along the lines of sad and disappointed. The fact that like, no matter how hard I work to get out of the place that I was back home, I'm going to another place where it doesn't matter how, even though like I'm, even though it took me a long time to say this, like I am as smart as my peers, like I do deserve to be here, the fact that like I'm still at this level with my peers and I'm still hearing people make like like very like except maybe in more cases here it's not as covert it's more subversive yeah. and I say like people would say things like um for example like um I mean you're welcome to cut this out because I'm not sure exactly if it like if it's um no like, be honest be honest okay. be candid no yeah. Um, I heard somebody um, had told a girl who was like of South Asian descent that um, like talking about her um, vagina saying like, oh, bro, you're going to get some of that tikka masala tonight. And I was just like, what the hell? Like, I thought this was like Chicago. I thought we were in like a liberal city. I thought like most of people would know better. And they don't. And I was shocked because I was just like, I thought like oh, that's kind of stuff only happened like like and that drastically in Texas but no and then I'll hear something about like um another person I know of had told me that there were like a group of like frat boys sitting around somewhere one time and saying oh like all white women are hot or something like that like as someone who like because I like come from a black I mean come from like um like a PWI at home and like not being anyone's first choice for anything because like black beauty was not the like Black beauty was not like the um, accepted standard coming here and thinking like maybe you have like a chance at like a new life and stuff and hearing stuff like that. Like it's not, it's not, it makes you think like, why even try if this is going to be my reality? Like why even try? Like why, why are we still doing this? And it just hurts because like you, like, because it's, I think almost it's even harder than home in some ways because mm. like, it's like these people understand like they understand like I guess I don't know how to put in better words like a, a white liberal idea of racism and that's the fact that like you know racism is bad we need to stop this blah 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 they know how and to then, play the game 
They know how to yeah, play. Not yeah. cut you off. They know how to play the game. They know how to, like, you know, when they go home, they say all the racist shit. But, you know, when they're out in public around, you know, Blacks and, you know, Hispanics, they know how to put on that face. They're like, oh, hi, you know, hi, you're such a pretty girl. You know, they know how to play the game. No, Whereas yeah. in Texas, like you said, it's more in your face. We do not like you, nigger. That type of shit. Yeah. No, yeah. for real, for real. It's just like they, it's like they, it's so hard to articulate to people. It's because like they know this, but they are not doing anything in their lives to make it better or more accepting for people that look like me or people that like also have dark skin like me. It's just like, it's just so frustrating. And like, it's, I've encountered it like in almost all the places you can think of, like in in the workplace, in the newsroom, like, um, like in classes and things like that. It's just, it's just nothing to say, but just like frustrating and difficult. In your classes, um, how many other Black Americans or, you know, Africans are in your classes? Like, do you, do you notice that? Like, you know, yeah, I mean, like, because I have this issue that I've, like, articulated with my friends and, like, other, like, colleagues of mine before. Sometimes I feel like because I come, I've come and grew up in a place where, like, I was the only Black person in the classroom, it's something that's, like, I really have to think about because it's not, like, automatic. Like, um, like for some of my friends, like I was saying before, they've grown up in places where, like, it would be very strange for them to be the only, like, um, like Latino Asian person in the classroom because like they've had like that community around them but for me that was not the case so the fact that now that like there's another person in the classroom it's almost shocking to me I'm just like whoa there's another person in the classroom that's like also black that's like crazy I wonder like who they are it's 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 just a it's just a different experience for me and like it's something that also kind of makes me sad because I'm just like oh I had to live all the time like this but now I have another black person and like even though it's nice obviously that's not great because the, um, right. I can think of one of my classes it's just me and another um black presenting person um, um another um black female presenting person and um everyone else is either Asian or most of them are white mm. yeah yeah, and it's a lot of Asians that you shot. It's a lot of Asians. <laughs> um, so, like, obviously, when you see another um, Black American or African um, in your class, you know, you guys will bond because of that. Have you ever ran into a situation where, like, even though they might be Black, they ain't really Black? Mm. If not, that's great. But, you know, yeah. we know it happens out here. I know it does happen out there, but like, I feel like I've experienced that more back home than here. I feel like, I feel like the one like really strong thing is, um, for my story that I had read, um, that you read that I wrote, um, I think one, um, person that I talked to, like very, put it very like eloquently, like when you come to you, Chicago and you're black, like you can always find a community here. And I think that's like a really beautiful thing about this place. Like it doesn't matter like how much they try to like gentrify the area around us or um, pretend that like the past, the past transgressions they've done against our community haven't happened. Like the thing about black people here is that they will always have your back no matter what. And I think that's just like amazing, but I can like very confidently say I haven't had that happen to me. That's great. So yeah, let's, let's expand on that community. You know, um, 
what type of black organizations are on campus or, you know, clubs or anything that you guys have formed unofficially or officially um, that black students, you know, have at UShot? Yeah, so um, there's like several different like major ones that I can think of. And like, um, if anyone's listening from you, Chicago, I'm sorry if I um, missed something, but the major ones I can think of are OBS. So that's the Organization of Black Students. So that's basically like, I should say like a lot of the organizations collab together. So like the lines between them are pretty blurred, but like the organizations themselves do have distinctions. Okay. So Organization of Black Students, that's literally just like, if you have Blacks and congrats, you're in. Um, there's AXA, which is um, Afro-Caribbean Students Association. So that's more like for people of the diaspora. So like if you're, um, well, kind of diaspora, but also like if you're also kind of from Africa, um, okay. that's, that's my understanding. So that one's kind of dealing with more like Pan-Africanism, things like that. There's um, GROW, which is the Georgiana Rose Association. So that's like a new organization that just happened a year and a half ago. That's for um, Black women and gender minorities and focuses on like health, um, mental health and like other aspects of like Black womanhood and all of that. And then there's, um, they're starting a new one, which I'm personally excited for, is um, the Nigerian Students Association. That one um, is self-explanatory for Nigerian yeah. students. And then um, there's another one that also just popped up recently, which is Black Light, that um, somebody I'm working with actually for um, our very first um, Black History Month issue that I'm heading for um, our school newspaper. Um, he works for Blacklight. So that's like a Black literary magazine. So it's just um, like different kind of written work and all of that from Black students. Wow. And there's a lot more that aren't just like like organizations, organizations. There's also some like Ankara Magic that's like um, like a West African or like Pan-African like dance group and stuff like that. So yeah, those are like the ones I can think of off the top of my head. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot. Um, you know, that's and that's dope, you know, uh, that you guys have that entire coalition, you know, of uh, organizations, because, you know, we, we, black, black people, black Americans, um, people of color, we need our own spaces. We already know that we need our own safe spaces because, you know, unfortunately we are the minorities wherever we go. Um, like you said, you was the minority at your high school, you're the minority here in college. Um, even though it's the same principle, it's a different type of beast, you know, you know, or, yeah. or, or same these different type of things, whatever, however you want to say it, you know, um, like I attended Western Illinois University, uh, that's in Macomb, Illinois, that's three and a half hours west of Chicago, and my high school was mixed, so it was half white, half black, you know, nice amount of Hispanics in it, so me attending school with white people wasn't relatively new to me when I got to college, but kind of along the same thoughts that you said, when I got out there to West Illinois, it was different. Like, you know, it, it's, it's a town out there that was literally an official sundown town in the state of Illinois. Um, and I didn't see the sign, but, you know, a couple people in a couple grades ahead of me said they saw signs like in gears before I got there that said no niggas after dark, you know, and this was like 2000, that had to have been 2003, 2004. I got the campus in 2006. So, you know, it's like the more things change, the more they stay the same. Racism clearly is not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, so, and we had the Black Student Organization, Black Student Association out there, the African American Studies Club out there. So we had our own coalition as well. But here in the city, it's great that you guys have that on campus within the proximity of the university in Hyde Park. Um, you know, what what efforts 
have used a lot of directly been involved in or some of these organizations with, you know, um, bringing more awareness and attention to the racism at University of Chicago? I think the primary way I'm doing it right now is like through my newspaper and through my writing. So um, kind of like I mentioned before, right now, I think the biggest way that I'm trying to do that in collaboration with a lot of the student organizations that I like previously mentioned, we're um, starting the very first like Black History Month issue for um, the Chicago the main student newspaper here. And I was actually the one who brought up that idea to my editor in chief because um, last year during February, like it's one of the things I'm, I was mentioning about before, like people know things, but don't like really do that in practice. So like they had a sustainability issue, social sustainability, sustainability issue for February. And I was just like, why sustainability issue for February? Like all months. No, literally out of all the months, like I feel like when it comes to like cultural months, like Black History Month, everyone knows that's February. So why would you not do anything? And to make matters worse, I was the only person that I think I can think of at the time who was writing a story related to Black History Month, which was the story that you read. And I told my editor, I'm just like, I'm sorry, I don't want to come off rude. But like the fact that you guys didn't do anything for Black History Month is like really like appalling because like why would you do that and like say that you have a commitment to diversity and things like that and they even have a DEI board which is like diversity equity and inclusion board to like make the newsroom more diverse on campus and like not have that like why do I have to be the one thinking up the ideas like I thought we were like a really smart school I don't know <laughs> <laughs> right 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 oh it's a smart school they just don't care No, literally. So I told him, like, I'm like, I really want to make this. And like, if it doesn't happen, like, you know, like, I'm still going to try to find a way to make it happen. And my editor, like, is a very nice soul, like, um, like was 100% on board with the idea. And they told me that they like, they were saying that, like, I don't want to be the person to lead this. Like, if you like, you don't have to be the person to lead this, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lead it because like, obviously um, I'm a white person. I'm not going to lead something that's meant for black people. Do you want to lead it or do you want somebody else to do it? And I was just like, no, I a hundred percent want to do this because like, it's something I'm very passionate about. Cause like, I feel like the thing that's really inspired me since I got to you Chicago, like fortunately or unfortunately, it's just like frustration and anger. I'm just like, mm-hmm. it, I came to the realization, like, it's really sad, but it doesn't matter where I go in the world. I'm always going to be seen as a black woman. And that's not, and even though that's not a bad thing at all, people are going to see it as like, oh, she's probably like, you know, she's probably not smart. She's probably like only focused on her look. She's only doing this or that, or like whatever preconceived notion they'll have a black woman. And like, that makes me sad because like I have dreams and hopes like anyone else in the world, but because I'm black, those things aren't going to be as easy or as accessible to me as like a white peer or like even as sometimes like other people of color because like um I took a class recently for public policy and we were debating if like there's a black white binary in the U.S. or if that binary is just like black and non-black but like any way you look at it black is still at the bottom and like that still to this day even when I'm talking about it right now I get choked up I'm just like why do I have to just be 
have such more of a harder life than more of my like other my peer sorry I like mm-hmm. lost train of thought why do I have to have such a difficult life just because I'm black yeah. and like I know there's other factors that go into that and I'm not saying I'm like I'm I'm not trying to say like that my life is like completely terrible because I I always know there's someone worse and like that's not I'm just not trying to say like I'm I'm trying to figure out a way to phrase it I'm just I understand not, take your time yeah I'm just not trying to say that I I'm trying to say that I'm not my life isn't like like because I, I won't say that my life isn't my life isn't completely hard I do have like some resources obviously being at an institution like this that like makes things like a bit easier for me but I also don't want to say that like I don't want to dismiss people that like obviously probably do have a like maybe a worse financial situation or something like that than me it's just like why do black people's life in general just has to be harder and more difficult and why do we have to deal with racism on like a daily basis just because the fact that our skin tone is just different it just yeah. does not make sense to me till the ends of the earth and people will say that and people will say I get it I understand but why do why are you like calling um women's referring to women's pussies as like um like ethnic foods why are you like saying that all white women are hot or something like that like yeah. that's just you're not supporting if you really supported you would be like if you really supported things at this university would be different so that's for me to say I really wanted to lead this project because I want other people to share their voice not just mine because I love writing but like I mean if I'm the only black voice in the newsroom that's it's even though it's nice to have it's gonna get boring just hearing the same things from one person so um like I started to get I'm really excited that I have like a lot of people who are here um and excited to write about like different aspects of the black community like one of my friends um she has the idea of writing about something that's been very important that actually I was a little bit sad that I didn't go to one of the schools that I had thought about because they specifically had like affinity houses for like um like minority students so like um I believe it was Wellesley College one of the all women's universe um all women's colleges they have like houses for like specific like minority groups like they had a black a black house I forgot the specific name they had a black house they had a Latina house um like houses for other like um that's dope but here um what I've heard like time and time again people have asked like oh can we get like a black affinity house like not necessarily for like dorming but just like you know like a space a house that's like just for us like um for instance I know here like Jewish life has Chabad and then they also have Hillel which are like the houses that are like like actual houses that are like separate from like the university campus that interact with students and people have asked time and time again why can't we have that for like black students or like latino students and they would be like oh that's like segregation but why are they saying no exactly that's the face i made like why are you gonna say segregation when literally you existing as a university are segregating like like black people from like um I mean segregating like the black yeah. areas around us from like this new white area that you're creating it doesn't make any sense yeah it's, but, it's the same yeah but in in short to answer your question like the way I'm trying to help is just by creating this issue so I can give people a platform to like share their issues and things like that um regarding to their experiences at U Chicago being black or like being black and like um like 
whatever intersection you can name. And I know some, there's some stories in the works that I'm not sure exactly getting published yet. So I don't want to like fully say that okay. I know there are some stories that are trying to attack like the overt and convert covert racism that has been happening on campus. You know, uh, James Baldwin said to be black and conscious in America is to be in a constant state of rage. And that's that's what I feel through your words right now as we talk and it's, it's valid. You know, um, your feelings are valid because it, it's insane. You know, how can you say it's segregation for um, black affinity house, but you got two Jewish affinity houses? You know, it doesn't make any sense. Um, how can such a prestigious and large university in the middle of the hood, Exactly. Be so extremely racist. Like I feel like a lot of people forget that. Like, yeah, you got the hospital, you got this university, but it's still Woodlawn, and Woodlawn is still the hood. You know, you still have a lot of black people in Woodlawn, up and down Cottage Grove, you know, all in Hat Park, you know, um, South Shores right there to the south. So it is it is just wow, man. Um, you know, so but it's it's great that you have uh spoken up about that in the newsroom. Because I feel like, you know, journalism and history are two of the most important things for people to understand the world. Um, you know, you know, you really have to understand history to see why the present is the way it is. And you have to understand journalism and you have to read and follow true journalism to see how things are going on in the present as a result of that history. So you are doing a great job with that. Um, and I definitely applaud you. Um, so. What year are you? Are you a sophomore or a junior now? Um, I'm a junior, so I'm a third year. We call them third years, yeah. A third year. Okay, so you're a third year now. And let me ask you this. So what 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 is your ultimate career goal? So it's a two-pronged question. What is your ultimate career goal, number one? And number two, because of this, these experiences you had in high school and here in uh, University of Chicago, how do you plan on using whatever career goal you have to make the future a better place for the next generation of Black college students. You know, like you say, your sister is still in that high school. So she's still dealing with the BS there. And, you know, she's, well, she's actually in middle school. That, that oh, even makes it worse because that's such a, a pivotal time of her life. And like this stuff is still happening to right. her. So she's still in middle school. She's still at that school because, like I said, it's K through 13. K, yeah, K through 12. Um, so how do you what how do you plan on doing what you can do? to alleviate the burdens of the next generation, such as your sister and other Black students in that school back in Texas and University of Chicago and beyond? So it's a two-pronged question, but take your time and, you know, we can just, you know, let it flow. No, you're totally fine. So um, it's funny because, like, I've actually had a bunch of people ask me this question now since, like, I'm a third year and people are just like, oh, yeah. what are you going to do after college? And I'm just like, I haven't thought that far yet. I'm you just got here. It's like you just got here. No, literally. So, yeah. um, but I kind of have like three career career goals I'm thinking of, and two of them are kind of intertwined. So mm -hmm. the first one is kind of going down the law slash journalism path. So law is very self-explanatory. Like I feel like I don't need to explain that one too much. Like, you know, go to law school, like try to um go into whatever law I want, whether that's like, you know, um stuff related to like patents and things like that. And like um I, I'm I'm an artist like you can probably see a little bit back here I know the on the podcast probably can't but like I, draw. I see, see this. Yeah. yeah so I, I like to draw a lot so um I'm always been interested in like patent and like intellectual property law so like helping like you know black artists or um like 
um, creatives like support them in their journey, like um, to make sure that like their property is theirs and like we keep stuff like that safe yes. in the black community. So I feel like that one's self-explanatory and like kind of going off to that, like, cause I'm thinking about going to law school and even if I went to law school, I'd still probably like either become a lawyer or become a journalist, which is like that one's kind of also expected. Mm-hmm. So I'm my favorite, I should say, I preface this, my favorite type of like stories or like videos to watch or like have always been the vice documentaries like I'm such a big fan of vice and like those kind of like documentaries where it's like some kind of story or like news story or like idea and then they kind of like expand it to a really large like um like documentary series or something like that where they really explore an idea in depth I'd I think I would really like to do that kind of journalism like long-form journalism and do like um stories related to like whether that's like um about black culture or like the diaspora because for instance like in Nigeria like um I mean well like in Nigerian culture at least um from my understanding and like me growing up Nigerians that live in the diaspora don't necessarily share all of their like culture with their children like they do when it comes to like clothing like customs like how you act jollof um, rice yeah like jollof rice like all of that jollof like the rice, food yeah. yeah like all the food all of that but it's not the same like other cultures because they don't really um, pass on like the language and things like that Mm -hmm. so just because even though the language is like the one I can come up with the top of my head that that's telling me that there's other aspects of like um like our culture like my my dad's Yoruba so I'm part of the Yoruba tribe there's a lot part of like Yoruba culture that I'm probably not getting just because whether whether consciously or unconsciously my dad and like my extended family have not share that with me and my brother for like for better or for worse Mm. and um so being able to investigate like things about the diaspora whether that's like stories related to like Yoruba culture or stories related to like um African-American culture here even like stories in like Latin um Latin America about um like Africans and um um, Africans in the Americas, which I feel is like severely underreported, but it's very cool. Like doing those kind of long form stories, I would really love to talk about that because like, it's just something that's, that's, it's knowledge that's not shared because like, I know there's like always this debate going on, especially like, um, I think two summers ago or last summer with like CRT, because like um, certain things um, related to like black history or just American history in general, aren't taught as well as they should be or taught like to the fullest extent it may be like a footnote like I remember in class there was like a paragraph in my textbook only about Japanese internment camps and we all know that much more happened than just a paragraph much more Um, no exactly so um yeah I think like being able to shed light on that history stuff and show that like the U.S. is like definitely not a great place and like African history is like so complex and shrouded shrouded and like mystery and things like that that I want to like elucidate that to a wider audience but the one the one career path that I'm also really thinking about that like I think I really would enjoy doing is related to um entertainment so like like I said like I like to draw a lot so my dream is to either direct an animated film or direct an animated like maybe tv series or something like that and I would absolutely love to like share like more about like you know my own ideas and like 
conversations about like race and the intersection of being like a black being a woman um just things like that I like I don't really know how to say it because like art is just like it's just harder to think about art because like you know it's not like a linear path like being a doctor or being a lawyer which my dad would not be happy to hear that (laughs) be an artist but um I really want to go into that industry because like it makes me honestly very sad because I don't know if you've heard but like um recently um it just came out that like Disney is making this new animated tv series on Disney plus and it's called I forgot how to pronounce it but basically my dad my dad futuristic the futuristic African yeah Yeah, it's in Lagos Nigeria and it's supposed to be about like and it's in Yoruba, the tiles in Yoruba. And it basically means like going forward. Okay. So um, like that one was like really exciting to hear, but it's sad because like there's, besides that, I can't really think of anything that's like directly related to like African, like African culture. Mm-hmm. And I would love to bring that to like the sphere and like a TV show or a movie or like whatever I can get my hands on. I would just love to do that. Like not saying that, I don't want to tell like African-American stories because that's like I've always had like this grappling with my identity because like I'm yes I'm black like obviously at the end of the day I'm black but I'm also like an African but I'm also an African-American and those um two spheres even though like they do have so many similarities there's also so many differences in between them that like are just hard to reconciliate sometimes like I don't I don't even know how to like go in that because like from the same class we talked about it like um Africans like immigrated in the 60s and 70s like in large numbers after like um independence movements happened and like they are motivated I guess by like something that more that they would have more in common with like um I guess another group would be like Chinese Americans or like Indian Americans that also moved a lot in like the 70s and 80s so like they would have more in common than they would with like like black um black americans who have been here since like um the 16 1700s 1800s so like it's just two very like different parts of my identity i still want to share both of them but like to me like um being able to share more african stories and like stories that are just center around like stuff that i'm interested in telling that would be like great like that's my biggest dream to have like um an animated movie or something on tv and then have my name as director so yeah I like that. I like that. Um, yeah. So it's, you just basically have a huge creative mind. That's just at the end of the day. Uh, very, very similar to me, you know, very similar to me. Um, you know, I'm a writer, obviously podcaster, uh, storyteller. I got two novels, you know, all types of stuff. And I'm working on, you know, a sci-fi novel as well. So I, I understand the entire intellectual property, artists, creative realm, everything that you're discussing. And I think it is important that, you know, um, you know, I can't I can't speak to the identity crisis, even though I know it exists because, you know, I've known uh, I know a lot of African-Americans, you know, whether it be Nigerian, Ghanaian, Gambian that, you know, battle the, you know, their, you know, mother country side, you know, versus the, you know, American side. You know, I can't speak to that personally, but I understand it exists. Right. Um, but I say that to say I think it's very important that, you know, you definitely focus on the African stories, because like you said, it's not nothing out there, you know. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, we have Black Panther, you know, ooh, but that's a fictional, you know, that's a fictional uh, story, uh, fictional country, you know, um, I think that'd be dope. And, you know, I definitely know you will see it through and persevere with bringing that to fruition, you know, um, without a doubt, you know, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, that's all of that is great. You know, 
the more we tell stories, like I said, the more we reach back to history and weave that with, you know, our uh, current day interests, whether it be journalism, filmmaking, you know, noveling, painting, artistry, it, it all has the same purpose with, you know, reminding Black people, uh, African-Americans, you know, of our plight and that it's still here. Like, it, it hasn't went anywhere, you know, it hasn't went anywhere, you know. People want to scream that white lives matter bullshit, um, but you know, Kanye and Miss Candace Owens, yeah, yeah, yeah is is you know is, and and it's things like that that reinforce the ignorance, you know, and the um, subvert racism that goes on around us, you know, at places like University of Chicago, you know. Um, so what you are doing is great, and you know you definitely have to keep it going, um, and and you know this can grow like. While you're here at University of Chicago, what you're doing for Black History Month can expand and, you know, grow way after you leave the institution. You know? I, that's all I can hope. So I hope like when I when I get old, which is weird to think about, but <laughs> when I get because I, I just turned 21 last last Friday, actually. So I was just like, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. But like I was just like in my mind, I'm still like 17, 18 applying to college because like COVID just messed up like my like my spatial time awareness, yes. whatever you call that. Yes. And I was just like, I still feel like a 17 or 18 year old. So to think that I'm getting old is weird, but like, I hope when I do get old and maybe come back to you, Chicago, that the Black History Month special issue at the Maroon is still going and there's more people and that are doing it and just more Black people in the newsroom. Like I, I told my editor and chief and like everyone that I know, because I've had like, I've had to go to D, E, and I and within the Maroon and tell them about like, some like racist stuff that's happened to me and I had to tell them like the only thing that's going to work is if you get more black and brown voices in the newsroom otherwise you can't you can't sit here and tell me that you support um you support, um, um um people of color sorry you yeah. can't support people of color like how that doesn't make any sense to me yeah it, it it's it's insane you know um it's insane like it doesn't make any sense and they know it doesn't make sense um you know, the thing is, you know, you are doing what you are supposed to do and what you can, which is speaking up with your voice and getting more black voices in the newsroom. Um, I'm a firm believer, nonetheless, that it still isn't our job to educate white people on yeah. racism and the history of this uh, racist country. If you don't have the initiative to figure it out on your own or research it on your own. Yes. Oh. Yeah. And I mean, it's sad because like, people have told me that time and time again. And it's hard because like, they are right. Like, this is not my job. I did not sign up for this. I was literally just born into the skin and that's how it is. But um, the fact that nobody, the thing that like fuels that anger and frustration that I have is the fact that nobody is doing anything about it. They say that they will. They say like, oh, we're gonna do this, this and this, but nobody's doing it. So if nobody's doing it, I'm just gonna get more mad. So I'm more frustrated and like, so I'm just gonna, unfortunately, I've just been doing that myself and not because like, I feel like any obligation, but just because like, this is something I wanna do. And if nobody's doing it, I'm gonna pick it up and I'm gonna do it. That's the one thing I can say about Nigerians. Like, even though we are really loud and really crazy sometimes, you will <laughs> never not see a hardworking Nigerian. That I think is the best thing about Nigerians. You will never not see a hardworking Nigerian. And you putting in work and making it, uh, making a change in a city that isn't, that wasn't originally your city, but, you know, I guess, you know, this is like your step city now, we can say it. Um, do you stay in Chicago in the summer or do you go back to Texas? Um, well, 
the past the past um two summers i've been back to texas well just because like the first summer i couldn't stay here right. and the second summer my internship was remote because we were still like getting through covid but this summer i did stay in chicago and i absolutely love chicago during the summer i had like the best time like mm -hmm. the weather was a lot nicer than texas because like here it like stays in the 80s 90s yep. in texas it like it's only in the high 90s and hundreds and sometimes 112. So um, it's like barely, it's, you can barely stay outside, but like this summer is beautiful. Like I went to like a lot of outdoor concerts. Like I hung out with my friends. Mm -hmm. um, I got to like experience apartment life because like it was my first time outside of the dorms okay. and it was just like an overall, like just fun experience. I just absolutely love Chicago during the summer. There was just so much fun to do. And then I got to go to like a few different like neighborhoods that I haven't gotten to before. So that was like a lot of fun. I'm, I could see the glow in your face when you start talking about summertime shy. Be telling people summertime shy, man, is where it's at. Um, what's your what's your favorite food here since you've been here uh, the past couple of years? It's really hard to say because, like, <laughs> it's really hard to say. I think my favorite my favorite thing that I can think of off the top of my head. I think my favorite new thing that I've never had before with Senegalese food mm. and it's like I've only grown up obviously with Nigerian jollof mm -hmm. rice and um, Nigerian food so I've never had like the opportunity to have other African food before and that was like really 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 good I really loved it but the thing that I like have kind of had before and like really liked, I think I have to say like the buns from this one Chinatown bakery where they have like, it's like in a pink box and it's like these, um, what do you call it? Like barbecue pork buns. Those are like my new favorite thing. New really? Favorite. I never had that. And you say this in Chinatown? Yeah. I forgot the name of the bakery. It's like, it starts with a Q, but like, it's, um, it's a really nice bakery. It's like right next to that really big gate that they have. It's like yeah. on the left side, I think. In my yeah. Mind. Okay. Yeah. That's Wentworth street, I believe. Cause that's downtown Chinatown. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna have to check that out. Um, so it's really, really good. Like I've had, I've had like Chinese like dim sum before, but obviously not to the extent like here. Cause like back home, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, I guess like normal Chinese food that you would hear like I will Americanize Chinese food, like orange chicken, like, um, like kung pao rice, whatever you, whatever, but I've never had like anything that's like just so good. I don't know. I have nothing else to say. Like if someone bought me, like <laughs> if someone bought me like three dozen of those, I feel like I could eat them all in one weekend. Wow. Oh yeah. You really like those. Yeah. You really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that might someone be wants to send them to me, please. That, that might be a reason for you to stay in Chicago then. No, exactly. Yeah. The racism can stay, but you you can stay for Chicago. But the racism no. can go. Yeah. <laughs> Solana has a bright mind and a bright future. And you can follow her work and her articles with the link I included in the bio description of this episode. Racism has been around for centuries and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. That's why we have to continue to do the work and do our part to alleviate that burden for ourselves, for others, for our community and for people, even if we don't know their struggles or know them personally. We all in this fight together. If you enjoyed this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on right now, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, etc., leave a five-star review and a comment. Let us know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe to our sister podcast, Mogul Motivation, from True Stories Media.